Hey guys, my name is Courtney Garbera, and I'm finally doing a film podcast that like two people thought I should totally do. Uh, it's called Ghostface in It, and I just want to talk with some of my favorite people about their favorite films. Unlike with Scream's Ghostface, I am here to talk all genres, and there is little to no murder involved in this podcast, I swear. Uh, if you know me, you know I love movies, and it's how I connect with people. And I love all types of movies. I get just as hyped for Oscar season as I do for the next big blockbuster. And I have a very unhealthy affection for action films. And yeah, I have an unironic love for the Fast and Furious franchise, which is a problem, but we'll circle back to it at some point, I'm sure. I'm genuinely excited to talk films with anybody and everybody. And I hope you guys listen and love it as much as I know I'm going to love making this show. So watch this space in the coming days for the debut episode where we start small and I dive into The Empire Strikes Back with my younger brother, Lucas Garbera. And if you want, stick around for a Ghostface and its theme song, which is sort of awful because I did it myself, but you've got to have a theme song, right? So anyways, I hope to see you in a few days for our first episode. It's going to be something, I promise. See you guys real soon. Bye. Let's talk about films and shit. Recording now. Hi, Mom. Hi, Courtney. Well, I'm not doing it yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, you're like, I got this. Yeah. All right. All right, we're going to start now. And for editing purposes, we're starting now. Hey, guys. Well, so welcome to... Wow, geez. Okay, I'm going to start over. For editing purposes, we're going to start now. Hey, guys. Welcome to Ghost Facing It, which is the podcast where we talk favorite films with some of my favorite people. And I'm here today keeping it in the family again with my mom, Catherine Garbera. Mom, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. Thank you for coming on my podcast. I will not address you by your first name, as requested, even though I want to. Good. I will not address you by any nicknames that you don't want out in the public. <laughs> I, I do appreciate that. That'd be for the best. Uh, and what movie are we talking today? Lethal Weapon. Which, there's a big debate. It's Christmas time, so there's always a, a little bit of a debate in our house of which is the better Christmas action movie. Lethal Weapon or Die Hard, which caused a bit of a thing last year when I put it on Facebook and everybody sided with me and Die Hard. I feel like, just as a disclaimer, I don't really have any big passion around one being more Christmassy than the other. It's just when we talk about action movies that are set at Christmas time, I have a clear preference and it's not exactly what everybody else thinks. But when Courtney posted last year on Facebook, um, Hey Mom... Hey, everybody, help my mom and I settle this. Our jokey little thing turned into, what, is she crazy? Leave a weapon's not a Christmas movie. It's always die hard, die hard. She's a nut job, blah, blah, blah. I don't think, I don't think, I don't think anybody <laughs> called my, just, just, I don't think anybody called my mom a nut job. I think she's a little bit exaggerating there, just for the record. A little bit, but felt like. <laughs> I felt called out and like I was being called a nut job. Uh, mom, before we get into it, is uh, what are you up to? What do you have going on? What's your like Twitter handle, if you want to share that with everybody? Oh, sure. I'm on Twitter. Well, I'm a romance novelist, and um, and I've written over 100 books, um, mainly for Harlequin. In the UK, they publish as Mills and Boone. Um, I write contemporary romance. I've written some suspense in the past. Um, I have a new book out right now, Texas Christmas Tycoon. Um, obviously set in te Texas, it's also a Christmas story and 
Spoiler alert, he might be a tycoon. I was about to say, that was a, uh, again, I love romance novel titles because they're very, they're like, I, they're like the Da Vinci Code. You're like, I don't know what it could be about. What could this, what be, could about? this be about? Um, yeah, I am on Twitter, Catherine Garbera, with no E on Catherine because I don't know if it's still the case, but when I signed onto Twitter, your handle could only be a certain number of characters long, and my name's too long for that. I don't think it is. Oh, I didn't even know, I never noticed that on Twitter, like that yeah. you don't have an E in it. Wow, no. now I do. I mind everything is Catherine Garbera. Facebook, Instagram, So Twitter. it's a Catherine, like, hard on Twitter because it doesn't have the E on it. Yeah, it, 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 cuts, yeah. Off. Yeah, it cuts off with the E. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm really like, oh, I guess so. Mom, only nut jobs think that. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to start off with the 30-second summary of Lethal Weapon. So, Mom, in 30 seconds or less, you need to explain the enti- uh, Lethal Weapon in the entirety of its plot. Can you do that? Um, yes. All right. She said hesitantly. <laughs> do you want me to count you down or do you just want to go? Um, just go. All right. And go. Um, Lethal Weapon at its heart is a basic mystery. Um, and also at the same time, it is like a buddy movie. So it starts with a, with a suicide that we later learn is a murder. And we're introduced to the two characters, Riggs. Um, who is a little bit on the edge and crazy and we established they established that right from the beginning and then Murtaugh who is this family man and they start like when first time we see him he's in the bathtub it's his 50th birthday and all this family come in to meet and him stop. Oh. oh my gosh okay let's <laughs> all right, do it do you want to try it again yes, okay again. all right so we're gonna start from the top all right ready and go okay Lethal Weapon is a, it's a it's an action movie, but also it's basic mystery. So we start with a, the crime, which is a suicide, which we later learn is a murder. And we are introduced to the two detectives who are going to be on this case. We learn that one's crazy, one's more established. And as much as it's about solving the mystery, which goes from being a suicide, then they learn it's a murder, then they learn it's the murder of someone that one of them knows, and then they solve the crime. It's also about these two people learning to work together. That was 29 seconds, Mom. Oh my gosh. It's it's nerve-wracking, isn't it? It is. And I do feel like you didn't really get into the central mystery of it. Like, it didn't dive really deep into the murder, no. or into the suicide tension murder, but that's okay, because we'll get a little bit more into yes. that. It's nerve-wracking, isn't it? Yes, it is. That's it. I, I like, I love it. <laughs> I love watching other people try to do it, but then I had to do it that one time, and I was like, oh, this is awful. Yeah, I don't think I did very well, but... You did. Well. You did all right. We'll go. We'll go a little bit further into the plot of Lethal right. Weapon, which Lethal Weapon's a lot of fun because it is. It's a modern noir, especially. I really love the soundtrack, yes. um, which I was surprised yesterday. I tried to listen to the. I didn't get to listen to the whole soundtrack, right. but uh, it is very noirish, which really works. And I do want to talk a little bit about J- uh, Shane Black because I think he does that really well. Like when you look at how he writes it, and obviously Shane Black does a lot of Christmas. Um, his, his movies are a lot of the time set at Christmas. You have this one, you have Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, you have uh, Iron Man 3, you have The Nice Guys. Right. What do you think it is about Christmas that lends itself to this, this not, not really a dark side, because this movie is a little dark, but not, 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 real, not too dark. He does keep it light, but there's something about Christmas time. There's always that, there's the fun Christmas movie, and I would say Die Hard's a little more fun than this one in that sense. Yes. But this one's much more about, like, that hint of darkness. What is it about Christmas that lends itself to I that? I think as much as Christmas is, like, the happiest time of year, it's also, for for a lot of people, the saddest time of year. Because it, it like, really shines a spotlight on, if, you, if you're alone, it makes you feel more alone. 
Right. If you, you know, like, and if your crime doesn't stop, bad things don't stop, bad people don't stop doing bad things. And so I think, like, what he does really, what Shane, and this is just my opinion, obviously, on what Shane Black does well and why he uses Christmas, Christmas is a built-in happy time. So it gives him a nice place to put, like, um, a juxtaposition of a crime, a dark crime, or someone who's going through stuff at Christmas and seeing how... Um, I think Riggs even says it in here, the reason what keeps him going is the job. So having this crime happen at Christmas actually helps him get through Christmas and to process some stuff. And of course it happens that he has a new partner who changes his perspective and gives him a different view of the world instead of his lonely view, which I think that a lot of times in those Shane Black Christmas movies, we are seeing someone who is making a connection and you know, Christmas becomes better because of those connections. Right. And we do we do see that loneliness with Riggs, especially at the beginning. And uh, Mel Gibson is really good in this movie, especially the scene with uh, the gun and the bullet. Like, that's yeah. just a really great scene. Um, but then we have the other side of it with Murtaugh, because Riggs and Murtaugh really balance each other, because Riggs is alone, he has yeah. his dog, he lives in his little trailer. And then you have Murtaugh, who's like, he has, like, the white picket fence, he has the family. And you, like you said, like, he's celebrating his 50th birthday, Right. And he's on. he's been on the force. He's one of those that everybody likes to work with, which is very in contrast with Riggs is being passed around because he has. we see several incidents with him where he's successful, but... He gets the job done. Yes. But he's a little bit on the edge, and you wonder, <laughs> and like, you know, I, and they even have a good scene with Riggs and Merton here. He's getting the job done, but you wonder, is he who's going to be the collateral damage? So far, we know that Riggs doesn't care if... He, if I don't want to say he doesn't care if he lives or dies, but he's not afraid to die, and he's not afraid to go to that edge if he needs to. Right, that's what I like about Riggs. He has that line, and there's a lot of great dialogue. We were talking a little yeah. bit about this yesterday. Is there's a lot of great dialogue in this, and Shane Black's really great at dialogue. Uh, but he has that line that says, "I don't, I, I don't think he says I don't want to die. He's like, I'm not afraid. Like you said, yeah. like he's like, I'm not afraid to die. So I don't think he really wants to die, but he's he's made peace with it. So he's just like." If this is what happens today, right. this is what happens. And I think, uh, you, uh, like earlier, and I know they describe him as crazy, but right. obviously, they're both. That was another thing. They're both um, Vietnam veterans, and obviously, there's a, there was a huge mental health issue that wasn't addressed at that time. And then there was that stigma with Vietnam veterans, right? And then like moving forward, so it was interesting to see like a modern perspective on Riggs, who clearly has. Yeah. Like, some sort of, uh, something beyond, like, he's not just crazy, like, it's right. actually, like, a mental health, like... I think so. I like to, if you if you think about it, is how their wives, even Murtaugh's wife, who's who's dead for a couple of years when the story opens, I mean, Riggs' wife, wife, I was just um, yeah, Riggs' <laughs> wife. Yeah, Riggs' wife. Murtaugh's wife is alive no, and well. But how they, they are kind of balancing them. Like, you see that with Murtaugh, is like he doesn't talk about Vietnam at home and now that he has his family and he's got, he's not connected because his, his, the murder is tied to a friend of his from the past who was in Vietnam and she's like, Oh, I don't know him. They always see one of your Vietnam buddies. And it's like, yes, you can see how these, how these men have compartmentalized their life. And it's like Vietnam is one part of it. Right. And it's definitely made them who they are the paths that they have each chosen. Right. Even our bad guys, it, it kind of stems from Vietnam. The paths that they choose comes from that incident. Yeah. And and it, it like makes them the men that they are today and how they deal with it is a little bit different. And I think once Riggs' wife died, he didn't have his grounding. As a romance writer, that's what I like about this, is that 
those per, that relationship kind of grounds both of them. And when right. when that's taken away from Riggs, he's kind of loose. He's out there, and it's not that he wants to die, but he doesn't have anyone to ground him. Right. And I'm sorry, I'm gonna go. No, and Bartol becomes that for him. Yeah, he does. And it so, is. Yeah, it, it, it you see it's a natural progression, and yeah. where even though it's like a quick progression, like you could tell they click. Like, yeah. it is almost like a, not a soulmate situation, but it almost is. is. Like, they are, like, that's what they need. And he even needed, he needs a little bit of that Riggs in his life because I think yeah. he likes being a family, I think Murtaugh likes being a family man. Right. I think he's very comfortable and he likes being by the, mostly by the rules and everything. But I think he, li- I think that brings out a better side of him as well. It makes him, it makes him stronger and better in that role. Yeah. So I was actually going to say, Riggs is really a character I know you really like. Yes. Like, that's. As a, but, like, he's, like, one of those heroes that, like, you write. Do you think he's, uh like, for, like, a majority of, like, the romance community? I know you can't speak for, the, like, to the entire no. romance community. But what is it about Riggs especially? Because I think Murtaugh's an attractive, like, like how he is. Because he is, he's a family man. He's kind of, yes. like, Riggs is the guy you kind of fall in love with. And then Murtaugh's, like, the guy you settle down with a little bit. Even though they both have, like, a different thing. But what is it about, like, that kind of character that tends to draw, especially like, but you look at romance novels, like that's the kind of character that tends to be like a romance hero. I think that one of the things that I like best about romance is how finding the partner, finding your partner brings you back into the world. So a lot of times with those kind, with a Riggs hero, um, he is on the edge. He's isolated himself. His, His best friend is the dog. And he lives not, he's not living in a community, he's living in that camper van kind of thing. Yes. And he's, you know, he's, he does his job, but he does his job and that's it. Even his, like, romantic connections, we do see where he hires a hooker to come home and watch TV with him. It's not about sex, it's about, kind of about companionship. Right. And um, I think why that is so appealing is because we all want to think about love and the healing power of love and the healing power of, like, finding that connection I think our hope is that Riggs becomes Murtaugh. Right. Like that character who's broken and on the outside, right. falls Gets. in love with the right person, then becomes this family man. And, right. you, you know, we know that some things, like especially with, I, I think he's, I would say they're both alpha males, but you want, you there's like built into our DNA is you want someone who you feel will keep you safe and who will protect you, but you know, I think... I don't know, it might be archaic, but you also think about the woman bringing stuff to him, making him stronger as a person who actually, I mean, because the warrior, you don't need that every day in everyday life, but you do need that man to be strong and to be doing his job and all those things. And I think Lethal Weapon, um, I think I might mention this yesterday, is an interesting look at masculinity because it's not, it's not like Stallone or Schwarzenegger no. where like, because Danny Glover and Mel Gibson, they are, they're, they like you said, they have that alpha male, they are the alpha males in this, but it is a different look at it. And they are right. both like, they're open. Um, what Riggs is, I mean like, because he doesn't really shy away that he, uh, he clearly has, it. he doesn't really talk to anybody because the therapist at one point is trying to talk to his <laughs> captain and is like, you need to do something, otherwise he's going to kill himself. And then the captain has one of my favorite lines. He's like, well, let's see if he kills himself, and then I'll be wrong, or whatever <laughs> whatever that line is. Which, like, you know, not to make light of, like, suicide. Like, that's right. obviously a clearly, but, like, it's just, like, I think they're an interesting look. And then I actually think you can kind of tie that to Die Hard as well, because we were watching that thing last yeah. night where they said, John McClane isn't, like, a typical action hero either. And it's interesting that these two movies, like, that are at Christmas time, have these action heroes who... 
And I think this one is, uh, I'm getting off my point. Yeah. Uh, I think this one's a more interesting look at masculinity, I think, than Die Hard. Because it is that, like, it's not just, like, oh, he has muscles, oh, this, this, and this. Like, they're smart as well. Right. Especially when, like, they keep joking that the one, there's another prostitute that saw her jump off. And right. they said, oh, it's thin. And then that ends up, they end up looking more into it. And it ends up being, like, bigger and bigger. So there is, like, that, it is the very modern hero. More like the Jason Bourne than, like... Rambo or in that and like actually Rambo's a good comparison because he's also that Vietnam right veteran I also I think you can look at Rambo in terms of like when we're talking I know I'm bringing it back to romance type stereotypes but Rambo has nobody like there's no woman no he comes back and it's it literally is just he's he didn't leave a sweetheart behind he didn't like he just wants to go live alone and isolated and there's no one who, who he, he, he doesn't even have a Murtaugh. He doesn't, there's no one who he can, who accepts him and brings him back to the community so that he can have a normal functioning life. He, right. Rambo's always going to be on the outside. Right. Which I think Griggs is like on the border of that, but he had someone when he came back, which right. was the difference of that. So yeah. uh, I don't really have much more to add to that. I just thought it was interesting to look at it, except for at the end where we have that ridiculous lawn fight. Like, well, I think <laughs> we, yeah, I, I agree. we did talk about that, but I do think like with that lawn fight, it's a little bit, um, the viewership of those, those kind of movies in the eighties. I mean, right. I think, you know, like guys want to see that fight. Right. And so they're like, okay, we'll throw that in at the end. And like you said, I mean, if you want someone to go full on crazy, Gary Busey is definitely your man. Oh, again, I was just joking, but and I think at one point maybe Gary Busey was just wandering around and Richard Donald was like, does anybody have a camera? Go. It's like bow finger. We'll just work it in. Like, we'll make this work. Uh, Gary Busey is actually really good in this. I like him as Mr. Joshua. He's not even the main villain. He's the, he's like the, he's not really a lackey, but he is the lackey. He's like the number one. Yeah. So he's not, but he's the more memorable, I think, of the, like the two big bads who are working together. He's more, uh, to be honest, I can't tell you. I think the guy's like a colonel or something. Yes. I couldn't even, like, to be honest, like, like Gary Busey's the more memorable baddie of this. He is. Because he does, and then you have that scene like where like he burns Mr. Joshua's, uh, arm and, and like he just like stands there and takes it yeah yeah Gary Busey's full and Gary Busey in that scene well I which I mean in the best way like. yeah I think too I mean I and I don't know it seems to me like Shane what Shane Black did with that is that Gary Busey's character Mr. Joshua and Martin Riggs are they're two sides of the same two, coin yes. and I think in a way sort of not as much not as well as Murtaugh in the general yeah um because they're at a different level of Right, what but they were doing. trying to juxtapose. Like yeah. they are, you're seeing mirror images of both of your heroes. Right, and um, definitely because we see the shot that Mr. Joshua takes from the helicopter, and we learn earlier that Riggs's character is is a good was a sniper in Vietnam, and he can take a shot. Like I think they say seventy feet in the wind, which like there's not a lot of people who can make that shot. And so right. then we see Mr. Joshua in the. I know that's his name. It sounds so silly, but oh, it, that's it, one of the things I love about it is that yeah. it's like Mr. Joshua. It feels like those bank heist movies where everybody just calls each other, like 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 when you look at Baby Driver and they yeah. all call each other by their whatever their code names are. Like yeah. I love stuff like that. It has that like fun quality to it. It does, yeah. So we we I mean we see we know that these men are are equals, right? Um, but of course the good guy has to win, and I do like. One of the and I don't know we'll get to it probably later, but at the end when after they're having their fight and Riggs has that point at the end of the fight where he could snap his neck and kill him and he that's how we see that Riggs is a police officer and not 
not a mercenary, not a bad. He's like, no, it's not where he gets up. I mean, they do end up killing him because he re- he because he retaliates. Yeah, he reaches for someone's gun. But that's an important scene because. Because Murtaugh says it, because Riggs does have a tendency just to kind of shoot, like, yeah. like, but he, uh, like, he shoots the right people, but he has a tendency that a lot of people end up dead around Riggs. Yes. So, it, and then Murtaugh makes that point, and then at the end, it's Riggs and Murtaugh that yeah, killed both. Joshua. Yeah. And I think, I think a little Riggs did it so that, because I think he sensed that Murtaugh was going to shoot, so that maybe that wouldn't be so much on Murtaugh's, like, right. I killed someone. Which, I mean, like, they both shoot, but, like, I think it's important that Riggs shoots along with Murtaugh. Like, that's a... I do. I think it, that that is also some one of the things that I like about Lethal Weapon is that there is there's not I mean there is a body count but it's not it just doesn't not make sense like anybody who gets shot they they make a point of like Murtaugh saying we really don't mean to be killing everybody you know we can't question a dead guy right and I think that that's a little bit different than a lot of action movies where it is just like. Especially coming out of the seventies, I know this one's in the late eighties, but if you think about like Dirty Harry or um, the um, what's his name, Bronson films. Oh yeah, um, I mean like there were they were like there was a lot of high body count. And right. I have I probably shouldn't have brought those up because I haven't watched them, so I can't speak to it with. But no, it does but it feel does feel like, like well, because you you do have those grittier movies that came out of the seventies yeah. and sixties and seventies, and then and then I Lethal Weapon and I and Die Hard both. They they they're the reason we have the modern action movies we have today. Right. Like that, like I said, that that show we were watching last night kind of pointed it out that after Die Hard came out, like everything became Die Hard on a plane, Die Hard on a bus. Right. And, but even Lethal Weapon, the way that they handle everything, I think, because I mean, it's not like the buddy cop comedy was new, no, but this was a like new side of it. Yeah, yeah, you have like Forty Eight Hours, or even like Beverly Hills Cop, yes. or you know what I mean, like. So I think, like, Lethal Weapon was, and, and I think it's a testament to Shane Black. I think he really saw something and was like, I want to do this, and I want to, because Noir usually is, it's the lone private investigator, right. and he managed to do a Noir that you have the lone private investigators, but they have to come together because they need each other to solve it because right. they have what it takes. Um, the mystery is actually really great in this, and it, it unfolds slowly. And it, I, I really like the pace of this movie because it doesn't fold. And then, but you do get a lot of Riggs and Murtaugh, like them coming. Together. They balance everything really well, which right. I was surprised. Like they should have taken two movies. In like like now, I think it would take right. two movies. But Shane Black really balances, and Richard Donner as well. It's a testament to him as a director. Right. Yeah, that he balances it so well because. What like it's usually it would be like one or the other like you either this is their first partnership so let's have some plot that doesn't really matter let's focus right. on that or let's have this kind of interesting suicide that turns into a murder that turns into this bigger not conspiracy but something that's a lot bigger connected back to Vietnam and all this right. like and they, he manages to balance it really well I think I think part of how he does that is that making it personal mm-hmm. so it starts out as a suicide and then. Well, and he he drops like little breadcrumbs, but they're just and they feel natural. Like when the wife says before he leaves, "Oh, this guy's been trying to get in touch with you." Right, which Murtar later realizes he doesn't know his daughter's dead yet. He yeah. was trying to get in touch with him for something else, which right. is which is why the daughter was killed. Yeah, and so it's like it's nice the way that everything's there, and it's not, and it is just a simple, straightforward. I mean, it's a simple, straightforward mystery, which it needs to be, right? Because the focus is almost. 
I would almost say it's like three quarters on the relationship and building the relationship. Yeah. And then the mystery is like a nice little well, thing. Because we get a lot of instances, especially with Riggs, we see before he meets Murtaugh, we see like, I think it's like three or four, where right. w- w- which is why Riggs gets passed around. You kind of see yeah. different reasons why. <laughs> like one's really serious. There's a shooter at a school and he's shooting kids. Right. And Riggs just goes up and shoots him. Which I just, I, I was reading the IMDb trivia. And I guess in Shane Black's original script, it was a lot more like, violence heavy but like instead of just shooting the shooter he he takes like a a rocket like grenade oh like like which doesn't make any sense like no. it makes more sense that he just stands there and shoots him but then we see like the one that i really like is when he's with the tris- christmas tree slash cocaine <laughs> dealers like that's another yeah. one like so we see a bunch of little rigs instances where he is like reckless and stuff and then we see we don't murtaugh's really involved with that mystery first because right. he goes and then he realizes who the girl is yeah, and then they meet the they meet the prostitute that they have to track down later, who ends up dead. A lot the body count is pretty high in this movie because a lot of people end up right because they're all collateral damage of this of the bad guys. Yeah, that you, that, I didn't get to that in my thirty seconds. But you do <laughs> see how they're cleaning up the trail. Like he's cleaning the bad guys are cleaning up their trail so yep. that you can't be traced. And and for our our good guys are just a step behind because they're. I mean, obviously, they're drawing picture. They're drawing everything together from a very like slowly. Yeah, because they're just trying to find it. And then once they get, once they know what's going on, we see them start making a good plan. We see them start kind of taking control of that action part. Right. Um, yeah, I, I think that's really good. I think I I think he does. I think he unfolds well. And actually, I think um, a little bit. Have you seen the Nice Guys with Russell Crowe? No, I, I don't think I have. So, mom, you're like. I don't want to watch it. Um, but it is actually what Shane Black did really well with Lethal Weapon. He also does really well with The Nice Guys, which is just bringing these two. Which The Nice Guys is actually really, actually, not think about it. Nice Guys is really similar to Lethal Weapon in that respect because it's these two guys coming together. But there's this little mystery that they both have pieces to. Right. And it's not until they're like really together and able to like bounce it off one another. I, you would like the nice guys. Yeah. I'm not going to push it. I know. But I'm just saying, it is Christmas time. Another Shane Black movie takes place at Christmas. One thing I, 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 we haven't, I mean, we talked about a little bit is that I really like that what Shane Black does with um, male relationships. And they're not, I, I mean, obviously he's a man, so he, he gets male friendship. Right. Um, because I think he does that really well, and he shows that it's not all locker room humor or all, you know, like, any, I mean, it, they're real. They're real people, and that I think that's what grounds this movie is that, that budding friendship, and I, I assume it does in The Nice Guys, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about Iron Man 3, I'm taking a leap here, but if you think about Tony and the kid... Yeah, no, he does. He looks at that... He does. Yeah. He, has a, he has an interesting way of looking at, like, the male dynamic. And again, mm-hmm. I think he does have an interesting view on masculinity because it isn't that, oorah, we're all men... Right. We, you know, like, which I think we've gotten better as a society. I think writers have gotten better and we're seeing that, like, you know, like the 70s and 60s it was, like, like, you know, you had to have those, like, huge right. guys yeah. who were action stars and, like, they didn't, they didn't do feelings. They just, like, they shot it. Yeah. And uh, actually, uh, Rambo, a little bit, is very emotional and Sylvester Stallone's actually really, actually, yeah. Sylvester Stallone's not the typical action hero either because all his movies are emotional. So I, I, I didn't mean to lump Sylvester Stallone in those. Cause no. he, he does, cause especially like you look at like Rocky and stuff who Rocky is, 
he is an alpha male, but he is very emotional. Like he doesn't, he's not afraid of his emotion. So I'm sorry, Sylvester Stallone did not mean to lump you in like with those movies. I, yeah. As soon as I said it, I was like, no, 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 no. But I think it is, it is interesting to see Shane Black's view on the male dynamics, right? And just to see um, that there's not a ton of female characters now that I'm thinking about it in Shane Black movies. Like he does really, focus, but when, I think it's something I wonder if he when the women come in. No, it is male-centric, but when the women come in, they're strong women. If you look at Murtaugh's wife, she is clearly, she's the one keeping everything together at home, and she's clearly respected by him, and even Riggs, and we see it develop more over the next few movies. Right. Um, The only other woman that we really get a chance to see in this one is the psychiatrist, but we don't see her very much no, either. she's in more of the movies, right? I, it's been a while since them. I've seen. Yeah, yeah I, and it was it was Mary Ellen Trainer who I was like the whole time. I I got really excited when the credits came on. I was like, oh, Mary Ellen Trainer because I like her, but she plays a bigger part. Yeah, like we, in the movies to come. Yes, and that one thing, um, and especially in the in the other movies, we get to see it more because um, we get to see more of their team as other things happen. Is that the women are not just. Um, like they're not just there for set dressing. They usually have something important that they're bringing to the plot, and the relationships are are legitimate. They're right. not. They're not just you know I'm here to because we need to have like you know boobs and ass. It's not. Right. It's more than that. There are a lot of boobs and ass in this movie, though, especially within the first like ten minutes. Well, we get yeah. we get boobs, and then well, it, it is equal opportunity. It is because we get boobs, but we also get Mel Gibson's ass. So yeah. you get a little. I mean, get a little TNA right away. Yeah, and it for everybody. Something for, in it for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this movie, so this movie takes place in the eighties. Right. It's very eighties. Um, just not so much the music, not as much as like Beverly Hills Cops has a very eighties soundtrack because yes. it has the 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 like the synth. Yeah. Where this has more noir, but you have very eighties. Everybody looks very eighties. Like we were talking about a little bit about Mel, Mel Gibson's hair, mm-hmm. but like like. Like, there's cocaine everywhere. Like, yes. it just, like, it's Los Angeles in the 80s. So it's one of those things, like, cocaine shows up on the screen in my head. I was thinking, oh, of course. I mean, it's yes. 1987 in Los Angeles. Like, what else would be, like, <laughs> one of the... But I, I think the 80s is the perfect set for at least this first one. Because mm-hmm. I think it, it's obviously modern for that time. Right. I don't know if it would work as well today. I know they did the Lethal Weapon TV show, which I have not watched. I, I know they either. I know they brought it modern. Um, and it's had some behind-the-scenes issues with both of its leads, I think. Oh, mostly okay. mostly the one that played Riggs. Yeah. But uh, but do you think this works now or do you think it works because it started in the eighties and that was a very like like No, I, I do think it would work today because what he's doing is making it contemporary to that time. So like Vietnam was an issue for men. I mean like it was there was a lot of stuff from Vietnam happening in the eighties and that's a thing. Um, but there's still two cops. One's in homicide, one starts in, in drugs um and then they end up working together as partners so i mean there's still things there are still men who are on the edge it could even be women there's still cops that are have are on the edge there are still cops who are good family men who are good you know and it's good to see that thing happening and i think like probably today given I mean, in the U.S., probably around the world, but definitely in the U.S., I would imagine that there's a good place to explore that. And I think probably seeing a sh- good, strong relationships between the community and the cops and, 
you know, like, that might be a good thing to well, see. And they do touch on it, and it, it's a yeah. little bit of a joke, because they talk to the kid. It's not, it's not a joke, but it is social, yeah, like, that, like, they do do it light, but they do, they do make the point that, like, like, because they're talking to the kids, and the right. kids are like, don't, cops shoot black people, like, we shouldn't talk to the cops, like, and I think there, it, I think it'd be interesting for it to be done today, and them to explore that, because there is, I mean, there is, obviously, there's an issue in the United States yeah. right now, and them to explore that, I think, but it, it, it's, like, again, it's not made, it's not made light, no. but it is, it, like you said, it is a little light, but they do, they kind of bring it up, but they don't explore it as much. Right. But I, this was before the Rodney King riots. It was. And everything yeah. like that. So I think, the, obviously, there's, there was that issue, and there was that acknowledgement of it. Right. And they touch on it. One but, thing I will say about Lethal Weapon is they don't shy away from any of those race problems that they were having with the LAPD at that time. Because, like, that was that was an issue. That's what led up to Rodney King and right. all of that. Um, and so it's nice that they address it, but that's not the central story, and he doesn't take it to a, you know, he, he you have to acknowledge it because those kids, obviously... Because they, they've seen that, they, and that's, that's, and that's reality. And unfortunately, that's also still, like, the American experience right. for some people, which is just, like... But so it'd be interesting, I think, to see, like, how maybe we could explore that. Like, if, if like, they did, right. like... Well, again, I haven't watched the TV show, so I don't know how the TV show, if they, like, go deeper into that. But it would be interesting because they do kind of lend itself to explore that, I think, a little more. Yeah, and I know in the second movie and in the third movie, that's still an issue because there's, right. like, a shootout with some with the gang and Murtaugh takes a shot and... Um, the kid that ends up getting getting killed is someone that he knows. They're, they're dealing with it more from that that this kid could have easily been his son, you know, if he hadn't been the family man he is. And, you know, like, right. they, they do, do, I think that's Lethal Weapon 3 or 2? To be honest, four? I've seen Lethal Weapon twice. Uh, like, tw this yeah. person twice, and Lethal Weapon 2 once. That's the one where he's on the toilet and there's a bomb on the toilet. Yes. Which I was confusing with the first one. I haven't seen the, I haven't seen but see, three like or four. That, that one is dealing with apartheid. Right. Which they do have, uh, in the, yes. in, um, uh, in the Murtaugh household, like on the side of it, they do, it says a uh, free, uh, South Africa and apartheid. So yeah. I think it, it is, it, it's good to see both sides of it. I think Shane Black did a good job kind of balancing it. It would have been, I think like to continue that maybe and bring it up a little more. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like with yeah, a modern they bring take, it up like on the next one to bring it up. So I think it's good to explore that. Yeah. I think it would have been interesting to, but like you said, like that's not what the story is about, but it is like, they don't shy away from it, which is good. And it yeah. is, it's a tough subject. So, it is. and it is one of those things like there, there was that issue that are continue. That's I think that's what keeps the story kind of modern is unfortunately modern, which right. is like nothing really, nothing really changes. Cause that question could definitely be asked today right. as well so it's just one of those like well yeah and if the people are supposed to be keeping you safe you don't trust right i mean like and that is those kids aren't sure i mean like they know that the cops are there to bust dixie yes because she's a prostitute and they come all the time and they're used to seeing them and they also it's not like they're not rushing to help the cops they they, they don't really trust them and no it takes and they're little kids. They're right. like six or seven. Which is very funny when they arrive, when they say, oh, you're going to see Dixie? And then they all go like, you're going to fuck Dixie. And it's just these little kids cursing. And you're just yeah. like, that. Like that's another moment of like, like again, Shane Black balances, I think, the levity a lot with yeah. the darker side of it. Right. That, that was really funny. That's yeah. one of those lines that I thought was really funny. 
Um, all right, Mom. It, our time has come for what? Lethal Weapon versus Die Hard. Oh, good thing we watched that movie so I could remember everything about Die Hard. I mean, <laughs> yeah. oh, we just watched. I know. I wish we had watched Die Hard last night yeah. too. So, like we were saying earlier, so last year we were having a very friendly. We were talking, yeah. and I was like, "No, Die Hard is the better Christmas movie." And of course, you should never put anything on the internet because <laughs> it just gets out of control really quickly. Because it did. To, no, again, no one called my mom a nut job. That was her embellishing a little bit. There were some pretty strong comments there on your was. Facebook. Uh, but don't at me. No, <laughs> <laughs> definitely at her. If everybody could just call her a nut job, that'd be really great. Um. So what is it, so it is funny that these two action movies, I'm sure there's, there's other ones, obviously, that yeah. take place at Christmas time. I think these two are the most pre- prevalent. But what do you think it is uh, coming from your side of it? Because I, I think I know what makes Die Hard so enjoyable for me, especially as a Christmas movie. It's usually what I try to watch to kick off Christmas. Like <laughs> that and White Christmas, which are two completely separate yeah. movies. But what, what, like, do you see the side of everybody that loves Die Hard as a Christmas movie, do you see, like, what makes it? I think, I mean, I would I would have to say I think the movies are actually quite similar. They are. And especially since we saw that. I mean, we have the um, the buddy thing via the radio with um, Reginald Bell Johnson. I can't think of his character's name. The cop in the car who's, like, talking him through it. So we see that. Um, and he is trying to... He is there to make up for the, mis- you know, like his, he shouldn't have let his wife leave. He wants to try to get her back, that kind of thing. Um, I think the difference is that whereas Lethal Weapon is called an action movie and there are action scenes, Die Hard is, it's the action that is grounding Die Hard. Yes. It, and and um, some of it is over the top, but you want that in an action movie. You don't want to have, I mean, like, I feel like Lethal Weapon is almost like a more, this is a normal life type well, movie whereas Die Hard is like in your face your bad guy is well, big yeah everything's like a million times bigger yeah everything's like everything because it's a excuse me sorry um everything's a investigation and they're two cops so right. like whereas in Die Hard John McClane like like you said he flew out to Los Angeles yeah. he's going to apologize to his wife he ends up at this party that happened to be when these robbers come into Nakatomi Plaza yeah. and take the building hostage. Like, he's, he, it's very unintentional that he falls into this. And he's able to handle it because he is a cop. Right. But at the same time, like, these, like, Riggs and Murtaugh know what they're getting into right. once they're, they realize what's going on. And then everything slowly unfolds for John McClane. Which right. I was saying this yesterday, I really like the progression of it where they make him more and more vulnerable. Like, they, they continually stack stuff against John. Right. Because, like, he loses his shoes because... Someone on the plane told him, like, for jet lag, if you take off your shoes and curl your toes. Right. And he's trying to calm down. And then that's when all the action starts. So he, he has ends up having to leave very quickly, like, without his shoes. Like, he had, like you know, there's that one scene where he has to walk across glass. Right. It which, becomes a thing. So it, they use that. That. And then, like, the progress, like he progressively loses, like, because I think, like, he takes off his jacket yeah, and takes off his first shirt. his clothes because <laughs> he's got to have muscles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They were like, uh, Bruce, oh, we need, to we need muscles. you. Yeah, please. Um... Do you think John McClane is, like, I know you said, like, kind of Briggs Amartel, but more so Riggs, is, uh-huh. like, attractive as, like, a like that hero. Do you think John McClane is an attractive, like, romance, almost like a romance novel hero? Or do you think, what is it about Riggs over McClane? I, I, 
I don't know. I mean, I think that, and based on the fact that, that we do have more movies, so we see him as a like as a romantic hero. I don't think John McClane gets like I don't know what his connection is to his wife. I mean, we know that he wants to stay with her, right? But um, and he didn't lose her. Whereas Riggs lost his wife, and it's like. Always when someone dies, no matter what the relationship was, you always remember the good things. Right. You don't remember. I mean, it's very odd that you remember the bad if, if it's someone that you love. You, right. you kind of, like, brush aside all the bad things and you remember the good things. So, you know, like, he has that loss, and, and I think that's, that's a strong thing. Whereas McLean is trying to get back with his wife. We know from the second movie it didn't work out very well. No, they're together in the second movie, but from oh, like the third, third on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and then at one, at like uh, I think on like Die Hard 5, they're like, oh, Holly's dead. Like they just, they just kill her. And you're just like, after they've divorced, you're just like, all right. Well, but I think he, I think the difference is that McLean, and I guess they kind of a little bit allude to this, but he is all about the job. And, and he he's is, like a that, workaholic. That was the issue. Yeah. Which actually, which is what, I, that's which another it great part of it. plays out through. It does play out and it ends up being like. He's married to his job. Right. He is married to his job, but also it ends up being like, that's what ends up saving. I think Holly and him have that very like tense relationship, which is why I, obviously they were attracted to each other. Yeah. Because they both want to be successful. Right. Because she is successful. She's, yes. I, she's not the president because the president's there, but she's she's very, I think she's like the vice president. Or yeah. something. It's, been, uh, it's been a year since I've seen Die Hard. I haven't watched it yet, guys. Please forgive me. But yeah, I mean like, and that's what their attraction is. And so it's hard. They can't, they're, they're not going to ever. They're almost both alphas. They because, are. Like, they cause are both she, Because she is, she's, you know, like. She didn't, and she is a mother, and she's a good mother, and he's arguably a good father too. But they're both busy, and right. the way that the way that society is, like he's allowed to be busy, but but she's, she's not, not. But she sees the issue with that, like, right. well, I'm able to manage. Why can't this? Yeah. Like, so you do see why they're attracted to each other. I mean, what yeah. what 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 ultimately will end up in them divorcing is what also brings them together because exactly. they do see it so yeah and especially the first two they are together like yeah. and well, they end up falling in love again well clearly uh, well, well to be fair i haven't seen all the lethal weapons yeah. but i have seen all the diehards i mean i know which I've seen unfortunately them. i've seen all the diehards <laughs> well i think you know like uh, another thing that uh, we we didn't really talk about it but um mclean's wife holly she is really strong woman even even when they're she in this is. situation you know like she's not screaming next to the copier she's you know, like, she is just as much as have showing her strength in that hostage situation. Well, too. especially when um, they, she realizes that John's the one that yeah. Alan Rickman's talking to. And then they come out and ask who Holly Gennaro is. And she doesn't, at first she doesn't say anything. And then she realizes what's that, that he's going to start picking people off. Yeah. And so she comes forward. She doesn't. She's... She's not, she's not a, di- and they kind of, the actress was talking about this last night, uh, Bonnie Bedelia yeah. was saying like, she's not a damsel in distress until the end where she has a gun to her head, but she's doing that to save she, everybody. She has to make that executive decision that it's me or everybody that, that works for me. That works for me. Yeah. And she's like, and she does have faith that her husband's going to come. She's well, like, there's she's one like, thing he's good at. It's his job. And yes. that's what he, in, in essence, even though he's not on the beat or whatever. Right. He, he is, is doing his job. Yes. Um, also, which Lethal Weapon does have a ton of Christmas stuff in it because they have Christmas music and all that. Mm-hmm. But Die Hard has one of my favorite things, which is where 
I don't know why that's my favorite thing. But where he are, John kills one of the guys and he sends them down and he writes on the sweater, he says, ho, 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 now I have all the machine guns or something <laughs> like that, which is always like one of my favorite things. Do you think one plays more into Christmas time than the other one? I don't really think so. I, I think, think they, they're both about equal. I would say like one thing I like about both of those movies is they could take place at any time of the year. It's good yes. that it's Christmas. Christmas adds that little extra bit of thing in it. Right. Um, because we're all thinking about family at Christmas time. And so like that part, but I think if your if your relationship is broken like McLean, if, if it had been the fourth of July, he would still have gone to, to try to get oh, back. Don't worry, Mom, because if you want a die hard movie that takes place on the fourth of July, <laughs> you only have to look at Live for Your Die Hard number four. Don't Mom, Mom. I have the perfect, I have the perfect <laughs> mom, good news. But what I'm saying, there, no, yeah, like it could, like the both of these movies could take place at, yeah, uh, either time. I think, I think Shane Black's more specific with why it takes place at Christmas time because he has had all these movies. Yes, that, and I should confess, I think I've seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, but I haven't seen it in a very long time. That's the one with uh, Robert Downey Jr. and I've seen it. Too, Val Kilmer. I haven't seen more than one. Yeah, it's it's been a while, so yeah. I cannot speak to that. But Shane Black, I think Shane Black is obviously something about Christmas. He he sees that yeah. he sees like cr- that Christmas is almost actually I think Lethal Weapon is a little more Christmassy. I, I'm admitting this on tape <laughs> uh, because it does like that's Christmas is one of the characters of it. Like it's right. like like just as much as like actually Los Angeles is the character for both of them as well. More yes. so Nakatomi Plaza obviously like that one specific location. Yeah. That's another thing I, I really like contained action movies. Mm-hmm. Like I like that it takes place on one night and it's just in one building with Die Hard. Right. Like. And he, he has to go up, and then he has to go right back down. So, and he has to, he struggles, right. he struggles to get to one, and then he's like, I have to get to the other. Yeah. Which he was just at, and then he has to go, like, whereas Lethal Weapon obviously takes place over a couple days. Right. Or, or more than that, because. Well, they both have a ticking clock. Yes. But in Die Hard, it's, the clock is, like, more in your face, and you know, he, he, I mean, right. like, that's, here we know, in Lethal Weapon, we know that the hero, her, heroin delivery is coming right. and so they need to take everything they need to finish it before they that delivery comes in which it, we don't really see that i think we see more in the crime of the next movies i mean you know you get more right. into the this detail. is mo- like you this were saying so like, i was about to say the this lethal weapon like obviously there's this crime that's taking place but yeah. that's more the background where it is it's riggs and murtaugh coming together yeah in this one which again they balance it really well but who which movie do you think has the better villain because i would argue that uh, I would argue oh, that yeah. Hans Gruber yeah, is definitely. the better villain. I would agree. I mean, I, 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 when I, I've always been a big fan of Alan Rickman, and I do think, like, when I saw it, not that I didn't like Bruce Willis, but I do, I like, I do like Alan Rickman. He is really strong. He's, he's fun. Um, I don't, you know, I mean, obviously, he's a bad guy and he's killing a lot of people. So, right. But he, he does it in such a way that you like. He's enga- he's engaging when you go. Well, he's very precise. Yes. Whereas, like, because he doesn't, especially like the like, and he's like he's well dressed. He's yes. very like well mannered. Not that although uh, Mr. Joshua is dressed for like brunch on the Cape like fifteen <laughs> times. And he's like a sweater and then a nice little button up. Like he's like dressed like he's like I I'll be I'll be taking uh, I'll be taking uh, a lunch as a little sequester after this after I murdered these people and you're like I don't, I don't know why you're dressed like that but but there's something about Alan Rickman I like Hans Gruber and I do like mm-hmm. I, actually I really like Die Hard three which does not that takes place in the summertime as well mm-hmm. uh, but like it is it's interesting to see those villains that he doesn't like 
He'll kill if he has to. Right. Doesn't really want. He's. They're more a means to an end. Like he. Right. He will. He will kill people because he doesn't really care. But he doesn't need that's to. That's not his objective. I no. mean, I think that that that's one thing that's really smart too. It's like. In, even in Lethal Weapon, when they're killing people, they're doing it for a purpose. Because right. on, I mean, like, if you're, most people's want, like, most villains' motivation is they want something, money, power, something like that. They don't want 50 bodies stacked up in the basement. Right. I mean, that's a different story. That's like a serial killer thing. Right. But most of the time, the bad guys, that's, the, killing people doesn't get them what they want. If they, no. if it does, if it is leverage that they can use to get to what they want, which is why right. he's taking those hostages. Right, and then he sends them up to the roof because they rape the roof to blow. Yes. But then they manage to... The roof still blows, but they manage right. to get most of the people. The only people that really end up dying is the uh, the, the president, the boss. Yeah. And then the guy that pretends like he knows John. Yes. Who's a big talker. But I'm sure he's also using cocaine because, again, it's an 80s movie and he's a businessman. Sure, there was, yeah. That's it what was it, a party. It was, yeah, it is. It's just one, one big cocaine-fueled party. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think clearly Die Hard is the winner there. But, uh, no, I don't think they agreed on that. They're both great movies. Um, they're fun. They're, they're different. Fun. There's something, and, di- I was about to say, they're, there's something different with both right. of them that makes it so enjoyable. Well, and especially, I mean, if you think about Christmas movies i'm going to segue into christmas movies here and how you end up with all of this like kind of it's snowy and it's like dysfunctional family or it's like falling in love or you know all these different things it's like nice to have a break from the regular christmas movies to pop in something that's a little g golly right it's great that it's christmas time you know how much i love those yes i was about to say we my mom and i really like happy christmas movies We we got we a lot of people like the Family Stone. We mm-hmm. kind of feel like we got tricked into watching the we Family did. Stone, which is it, it's it has some very funny parts in it, but it's very sad. Yeah. Which like I don't like. It's a Wonderful Life. No. Which I was talking at work with someone about that, and she was like, "Yeah, I hate that movie." I was like, "Yeah, me too." Everybody else thinks it's a classic. It is a classic. It is a classic, but not everyone has our. We are lucky that we like Christmas is happy for us. We do, yes. We're a big Christmas family, so yes. it is one of those. Like I understand, like the melancholy nature of this. Yeah. Emily, if you're listening to this, I know you love the Christmas shoes, I which know. is so depressing. Yeah, tries to put it on. I'm like, no. True story. The first time that song came on the radio, we heard sobbing in the back seat and realized that Courtney was listening to the words and crying her little heart out. It's a sad song. It is I don't know how to read that. Sad song. Like, it it, is. like and yes, then they made a movie I, out of it. We didn't yeah, see they, it. I didn't see it. <laughs> Emily, if you really want to do this, I'll do another podcast with you. We will do the Christmas shoes. I'll no. just be crying in the in the corner the whole time. You're tearing up now, even just thinking about it. Yeah. Just like, oh god. Um. So what about so in general? Because Lethal Weapon is just it's not just one of your favorite like mm-hmm. movies that takes place at Christmas, like Christmas time movie. You love you genuinely love Lethal Weapon. What about it makes it your favorite? Like one or one of your favorites? Where like, like you know you you could only watch like one or two movies again. Like why would you pick Lethal Weapon? Like what like besides like kind of what we've talked about. Although um, I guess that's one of the reasons. Yeah, it is. I mean, really, it's that relationship. I like that relationship between Riggs and Murtaugh. Yeah. And even, um, and I, I like the way it develops over the course of the whole series as yeah. well. And we see it, like, they they aren't, they don't ignore each other's faults and they don't pretend that the other one, you know, like, they're, they're not ever going to be the exact same person. But at their core, what matters to them, their, their morals, their values are the same. 
And so that's fun. And it's a funny relationship. Like, even when, we didn't talk about this, but when they were at the shooting range. Um, oh, yeah. And um, Murtaugh hits the bullseye when they're both going to be on the same sh- the same sheet. And he and Riggs pushes out further and makes it into a smiley face. I mean, right. you just, you like that. That's fun. It's not like. They have not, a good chemistry. They do. They were, they do. And. I, that is one of the better, and Lethal Weapon is the better series of Die Hard and Lethal Weapon because it's more consistent. Right. Whereas Die Hard, I think there's two really good movies, and then right. the other ones, like, I don't think they're able to recapture what made it so great, like, for whatever reason. Well, and the thing is, I think, um, and I say this just, this is just my own personal opinion, is that sometimes when something becomes successful, they want to make a sequel, they want to do it again. Right. And, it, some some stories are not don't need to be made again. No. You've kind of wrapped it up, and it feels like with Die Hard they wrap that up with the first one. Yeah, they yes. don't really need like well, yeah. It's kind of ridiculous that John McClane keeps getting he accidentally yes. falls into all these situations, like all this all the shitty. He has like the worst karma in the world, right? Because he happens to fall into all this, right? Like out of nowhere, like yeah. So there's not and and they, you know, like obviously. As a viewer, you want to go back in that world. You want to see it again, but the story was wrapped up, so they'd have to do something very different to to kind of make a different movie. Right. And it's kind of like um, Speed, right? The first Speed's so great. Right. And then it's like, well, how would how would this even happen again? Speed two, Cruise yeah. Control. Yeah, it's which like... is one of my favorite one of my favorite <laughs> uh, sequel titles ever. It's up there with Too Fast, Too Furious, and Fast Furious Tokyo Drift. Yes. Like yeah. it, it is. Yeah. Like Speed works one. It does. It does. You don't need to do it again. No. It works. Oh, I could do a whole. Speed is one of my favorite movies. I love Speed. I like Speed, I, too. Um, but, yeah, it does. Like, like Lethal Weapon makes sense because it's serious. It's go Like, right. that's it. And but, because the relationship between these two people. I mean, they because it's in their real everyday life. Right. We that's can, one of we those. We can see another another section to that story because... This was their this was their life. Right. They weren't like you know trapped on a plane, trapped on a bus, trapped right. in a tower. Which know. is great, but Lethal Weapon actually has like they right. they chose this. They're right. doing this. That's what makes it. Yeah. Well, Mom, thank you very much for talking Lethal Weapon with me. I You're really welcome. do appreciate it. Die Hard's still one, guys. Don't worry. <laughs> I made sure that was known. Um, um, okay. <laughs> so thank you, Mom. Thank you for recording with me. You're welcome. Um, and guys, so this is going to be the last regular episode for 2019, but we do have, I have a couple bonus episodes I'm doing. We're doing the best of the decade. Me and my brother are going to go through each year of the decade and choose our favorite film from that year. And then we're going to do the top five of 2019 as well. We're just waiting for Rise of Skywalker to come out to see where that hopefully lands on the list. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> um, so thank you guys and I will see you next time.